Genesis chapter 5 this evening. And let's just read the first couple of verses there, and then we'll open in a word of prayer. Genesis 5 and verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam. In the day when they were created. Let's open our time with a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for the opportunity of being together tonight, both in this place and online, and we pray that you bless our time gathered around your word. <clears throat> As we continue our study this evening in the book of Genesis, we pray that you would guide and undertake, that you would teach us, instruct us through your word. Lord, give me wisdom and guidance as I preach. Pray that it be your words. Uh, it will be your thoughts, and that, Lord, you would empower me through the Spirit now, and that you be honored and glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, of course, last time uh, we were in the book of Genesis, a couple of weeks ago now, uh, we were in the, the chapter 4 there, and we considered the, the descendants of Cain. <clears throat> and we, we looked at how Cain's descendants were progressively turning away from the Lord, they were less and less seeking after God. They were seeking after worldly pursuits. Uh, there was a, a downward progression away from the God who created them. You know, their chief concern was uh, now the betterment of man, the betterment of self. Uh, they were focused upon worldly pursuits. It didn't take long for them to, to focus on those worldly things instead of the glory of God. We saw that in particular highlighted in Lamech and his three sons. Let's just go back to chapter 4 and read from verse 19. Just refresh ourselves here. Verse 19 says, And Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of the one was Adar, and the name of the other Zillah. And Adar bare Jabal, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all such as handle the harp and organ. And Zillah, she also bare Tubal-Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. And the sister of Tubal-Cain was Namar. Now, and, and Lamech said unto his wives, Adar and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech. For I have slain a man to my wounding, and a young man to my hurt. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech seventy and sevenfold. And so the, the downward progression is highlighted in Lamech and his three sons. Lamech, this, <clears throat> this man who had two wives, directly disobeying God, and this, this man who killed someone else and bragged about it. And then his three sons are these, these men of wisdom, worldly wisdom, uh, creating industry. And so we saw how, you know, early man was quite smart and quite advanced in their things. But they had all these worldly things, but they didn't have a relationship with God. And of course, that was then contrasted with Seth and his descendants. Now, with Seth's line, we are immediately, uh, we immediately sorry, see the, the change, see the difference, the contrast, a different attitude is seen. Verse 25 of chapter 4, it says, And Adam knew his wife, sorry, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son, and called his name Seth. For God said, She hath appointed, unto, appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So Seth's descendants, we're told, began to call upon the name of the Lord. And we talked about how this almost certainly refers to the practice of gathering together for public worship. 
on a regular basis. So they're, they're gathering together like we are here for worship, to uh, praise God and offer sacrifice unto his name. And so there was a spiritual revival, if you like, amongst Seth and his descendants, while Cain and his descendants are going away from the Lord. And with chapter 5, we're now given a detailed list of Adam's descendants through Seth. That godly line. Now at first glance, you know, this list of names here and ages of these men uh, may seem to be dull and monotonous. You know, it's one of those passages, you know, you come to them in the Word of God and you think this is really hard to read through. There's a lot of names and it seems to be monotonous. You know, I think we need to remember that God puts these things in the Word of God for a reason. You know, God is a God of order. And so God puts uh, these passages in the Word of God for a reason. Uh, this detail is there uh, to teach us, to give us an understanding of things. You know, upon closer inspection of this chapter, um, you know, it becomes meaningful. It becomes even exciting to us. You know, it's this chapter which <clears throat> makes us aware of the extremely long lives that men lived before the flood. It's this chapter that gives us that detail. Now we see most of the men he lived to past the 900 year mark. Take this chapter away and we don't have that, that truth given to us. We don't understand that. Now these long life stands tell us something about the, the wonderful world, the, the nature of the world before the flood. Now we've talked about it before, the, the firmament and how it protected us, or protected them I should say, from the the harmful rays of the sun, of space. Uh, we talked about how genetic degeneration had only just begun, and so their lives here are a lot longer before the flood. And so we get a, a marvelous glimpse of that here in this chapter. Now this passage also makes us aware of the fact that men were able to bear children right throughout their lives. Um, in <clears throat> verse 21, we'll just give a couple of contrasts here. In verse 21, Enoch, it says, and Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And so Enoch, just one man picked out of the list, he's 65 when he has a son, Methuselah. And then if you drop down to verse 32, we're told Noah is 500 years. It says in verse 32, and Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And so you have this wide contrast of when they bore sons right throughout their lives. And so there's a difference there before the flood as well to what we know today. You know, we also see emphasized the fact that man is obeying the command that God had given them. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, just go back there. Genesis 1, uh, verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God had told them to be fruitful, be multiply, and replenish the earth. And as we read through chapter 5, we see that men, they are exactly doing that. They are obeying God's command. They are multiplying. They are replenishing the earth. And it's emphasized by the fact that time and time again, we see the statement, and they begat sons and daughters. They begat other sons and daughters. Each man. There's a statement about that fact. And so they're fulfilling God's command. They're multiplying. They're filling the earth. And the other important point emphasized throughout is that each of these men died. You see, God's curse is in effect. Even though they lived these extremely long lives, they still died. 
they still return to the dust of the earth. All of them except for Enoch, of course, and we'll talk about him next week in particular. And so death does indeed reign, even here before the flood. You know, most importantly, I think what we have recorded here is the godly line. That's most importantly what we see here. The line of the promised seed. As we saw last time, Seth's name means substitute. He was a substitute for Abel, who had been slain by Cain. And it's through Seth now and his descendants that the promised seed would come. The promised seed from Genesis 3, verse 15, where God said the seed of the woman would bruise the head of Satan. And so that promised seed now comes through Seth and his line. And so that's what this genealogy exists to do. It exists primarily to record for us the divinely ordained line of the promised seed. It makes it clear for us that God is still in control. You know, Cain and his descendants, they're living in sin, they're in wickedness. But God still has his godly line preserved. God has the seed preserved. Now, not necessarily... Uh, Sorry, the men in this list are not necessarily the firstborn sons. I think it's important we understand that. They're not necessarily the firstborn sons of their fathers. You see, Seth, the first name after Adam, of course, here, Seth is the third son of Adam. You've got Cain and Abel, and then you've got Seth. He's not the firstborn son. And the same is true with Noah's son. Uh, Noah's son, sorry. Genesis chapter 10, verse 21, tells us that Japheth was actually older than Shem. Okay, just go over to there, Genesis 10 and verse 21. It says, Under Shem also the father of all the children of Eber, the brother of Japheth the elder, even to him were children born. And so Genesis 10 makes it clear that Japheth is the older. But in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 32, we see that Shem is listed first. It says, And Noah was 500 years old and begat Shem, sorry, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And so the point is that, you know, Shem is listed first, but he's not the eldest son. And so as we read through this list, we're not reading a list of firstborn sons. Okay, we need to understand that. What we're reading here is a list of men who are included in the list because they are the ones through whom the promised seed would come. This is the line traced for us by Almighty God. And so even here at the beginning, God is concerned about this godly line. And so this evening, I know it was a long introduction, but this evening we want to spend some time just over, overseeing, if you like, the whole book here. Just an overview of, sorry, chapter 5 here. Okay? An overview of this record for us uh, of Adam's descendants through Seth. And so first of all, this evening we see the book of the generations of Adam. The book of the generations of Adam. Look there in verse 1 with me. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam, in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam, in the day when they were created. Now this section, this chapter here, is introduced to us with the statement, or the um, superscription if you like, this is the book of the generations of Adam. And this is an interesting statement. And it's interesting because this is the very first time in the Word of God that we see the word book. We see that word book. And it's the Hebrew word, uh, sefer or sefer. And it speaks about a written 
documents. The commentator Clark, he says this, uh, Safer in Hebrew, which we generally translate book, signifies a register and accounts any kind of writing, even a letter. Here, it means the account or register of the generations of Adam or his descendants to the 500th year of the life of Noah. And so this is significant because it suggests to us that this is a written record from before the flood. That's what it suggests to us. This is a written record from before the flood. We've talked about it last time in Genesis chapter 4. But man is not the primitive brute that the evolutionist wants us to believe. Okay? Early man was not some brute. They were smart. They had industry. We talked about it in chapter 4. They had music. They had industry going, agriculture. And now we see in chapter 5, they actually have writing as well. And this is a written record. It's not just an orally transmitted record. It's written down for us. And so most likely it's preserved by Noah on the ark. He took this with him on the ark, and it's passed down to preceding generations, just like we've got the Bible today. It's been passed down, copied, to generations after Noah. The commentator Barnes writes this. He says, This is here some ground in the text for supposing the insertion by Moses of an authentic document handed down from the olden time in the great work which he was directed to compose. So that's what's suggested to us here, is that Moses, as he's writing the book of Genesis, under the inspiration of God, he has access to this written record of the generations of Adam, and he includes it here for us in chapter 5. And so that's the suggestion here. They have writing, and this is that written record for us. But you know, there's another interesting point here, uh, and that is that this is a parallel, there is a parallel, sorry, here, with uh, the, the beginning of the New Testament. Between this verse and the very beginning of the New Testament. You see, while this is the first mention of the word book in the Old Testament, the first mention of the word book in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. Let's just turn over there and read what it says. Matthew chapter 1. And verse 1, it says this, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, starts in a very similar fashion to Genesis chapter 5. Except that we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ now, and the generations of the Lord. And so the Old Testament, or the first book, if you like, it tells of the origins of the first man, the first Adam, sorry. The New Testament, the second book, tells us of the origins of the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the first book shows us how Adam's sin nature is passed on and the, the consequence of death has passed upon all of his descendants. The second book shows how Christ, the second Adam, brought life to mankind. And so there is that interesting parallel between these two passages. The book of the generations of Adam here begins with a reminder of where Adam and Eve came from. We read it before, but in verse 1 there, it says at the end, it says, In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. And so this is uh, obviously referring back to Genesis chapter 1, isn't it? Okay, which we looked at a while ago. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 28 in particular, where God created Adam and Eve. God created the first man and the first woman. And it talks about the fact here, it says, In the likeness of God made he him. You know, Genesis 1 says that they were made in the image of 
God. And so this chapter begins by reminding us of this fact, reminding us of where Adam and Eve came from, reminding us that, you know, man didn't evolve, man didn't just magically appear. God created Adam and Eve, and God created them in his likeness. It reminds us of the fact that Adam was created righteous, created without a sin nature. He's created innocence. You know, man was created as a spiritual being to enjoy a relationship with God. And of course, that was ruined by the fall, wasn't it? The fallen nature came because of Adam's sin. And so verse 1 reminds us of where Adam and Eve came from. Verse 2 then gives us a couple of points, if you like, which are of particular importance in the day and age in which we live. You see, in verse 2 it says, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. I said there's a couple of interesting points here for us in the day and age in which we live. Because this verse points out two important things, doesn't it? It says God created male and female. Male and female. From the very beginning, there's a distinction here between the two sexes. There is only two. No matter what the world tries to tell us, no matter how much the world perverts things today, this is the truth. There are only two genders, only two sexes, male and female. God created us. And the second important point is found there again in verse 2. It says, and called their name Adam. Our almighty God, our creator, called their name Adam. Now that word translated Adam there is the same word translated man elsewhere. It's the word man. God called them man. You see, the human race was given the name man by God in the beginning. The point is, it's not sexist. It's not sexist. It's not gender biased to call the human race by the heading mankind. And I think that's important for us to understand. This is Genesis chapter 5, and God makes it very clear. He's made it clear before this too. It makes it very clear, and I'm saying this because it upsets me when I hear Christians saying we need to update the language of the Bible. No, we don't. God's word is very clear. God called us man, and so we should use the language that God gave us. God's word doesn't need correcting. It's a biblical term. You know, in this day and age in which we live, where we are constantly bombarded with these perverted views of the world concerning gender and concerning political correctness, I mean, these are the two big topics today. It's good for us to remind ourselves of what the Creator says. You know, He says, Male and female created He them and blessed them and called their name Adam. Remind ourselves of what God says about these things. And so verse 1 and 2 give us the introduction, if you like, to this record of the generations of Adam. And in verse 3 now through to verse 32 we have recorded for us the pre-flood patriarchs. And that's our second point this evening, the pre-flood patriarchs. And we're going to read from verse 3 down to verse 32. I know it's monotonous, but we're going to read through it so that we get the context and we read it together this evening. So read along with me and I'll do my best to pronounce some names. All right, so verse 3, it says, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image. And he called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, 
and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat uh, Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahalalil. And Canaan lived after he begat Mahalalil 840 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years and he died. And Mahalalil lived 60 and 5 years and begat Jared. Mahalalil lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahalalil were 890 and 5 years and he died. And Jared lived 160 and 2 years and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Jared were 960 and 2 years and he died. And Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And Methuselah lived 180 and 7 years and begat Lamech. And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 780 and 2 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 960 and 9 years and he died. And Lamech lived 180 and 2 years and begat a son. And he called his name Noah, saying, This same shall comfort us concerning our work and toil of our hands because of the ground which the Lord hath cursed. And Lamech lived after he begat Noah 500 Ninety and five years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Lamech were seven hundred seventy and seven years and he died. And Noah was five hundred years old. And Noah begat Shem, Ham and Japheth. And so we have recorded for us these pre-flood patriarchs. This list of men, as I said earlier, who are in the line of the promised seed. And of course the record begins with Adam. Okay, and it gives us a, an obituary statement, if you like, concerning Adam. There in verses 3 through to verse 5. And according to verse 5, Noah lives to the ripe old age of 930 years. It says, and all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. After 930 years, the physical aspect of the death sentence finally comes to pass. The death sentence that was pronounced upon him in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. Just go back there, Genesis 3, verse 19, it says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. After they had partaken of the fruit, God had said to Adam, You're going to die. You will eventually return to the dust of the ground. In Genesis 2, verse 17, God had said, If they partook of the fruit, that they would surely Die. Remember that? Chapter 2, verse 17, it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. From the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Now, we've talked about it before, but the day they ate of the fruits, they did surely die. They died spiritually. Okay? When they ate of that fruit, they were separated from God. The, the relationship with God changed immediately. But now, after this long life, 
930 years. Now the physical aspect of that death sentence comes to pass. And Adam dies. You know, during that long life, Adam fulfilled God's command. He had many sons and daughters. We read that there in verse 3. It says, And Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam after he begotten Seth were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. And so he's fulfilled this command. He's had many sons and daughters, not just Cain, Abel, and Seth. Okay, he's had many sons and daughters. But of these children, it's Seth who's included here in the list. Seth is the one included. After 130 years, uh, Seth was born to Adam, and he is the one of interest. You know, of particular interest here is the statement in verse 3. You see, at the end of verse 3 it says, um, And he begat a son in his own likeness after his image. Now, why is that interesting? Well, because back in verse 1, which we just read before, Adam was created in the likeness of who? In the likeness of God. But now in verse 3, Seth, we're told, is begotten in the likeness of who? The likeness of his father, Adam. You see, straight away we already are getting an indication of the effect that sin is having upon Adam's descendants. Adam was created in the image of God, but Seth is begotten in the fallen image of his father. He partook in the fallen nature of his father Adam. The commentator Clark writes this, he says, Adam had now sinned and consequently had lost his moral resemblance to his maker. He had also become mortal through the breach of the law. His image and likeness were therefore widely different at this time from what they were before. And his begetting children in this image and likeness plainly implies that they were imperfect like himself, mortal like himself, sinful and corrupt like himself. And that is the point. Seth is the the indication of everything that follows on from here. Seth is in the image of Adam and indeed all of Seth's sons and so on down. All of us are in the image of our fallen father Adam in his fallen image. You see, Adam's descendants were all all had this sin nature passed on to them, even the ones in the line of the promised seed. You notice that? You know, Cain's descendants, yeah, we know that they're sinful. We looked at that. We saw how sinful they are. But even those in the godly line, Seth's line, they're still born in sin. And ultimately, they still cannot escape the punishment of death. They can't escape the punishment for sin. And so they're born with a fallen nature. And from verse 6 onwards, we now have recorded the names of each of the pre-flood patriarchs. And there are ten of these patriarchs in all, beginning with Adam, going through to Noah. And with each of these, there's a similar record, very similar to what we just read with Adam. You have recorded their name. We have recorded their age, that they were when they had the son who's next in the line. And we have recorded the fact that they had sons and daughters. And we have recorded the age they were when they died. And that's the pattern that's repeated with all of them. The same information for each of these men. The only exception to that pattern is Enoch. And because Enoch didn't die, okay, and we'll talk about him next week. We're going to spend some time talking about Enoch. But he's the only exception to this pattern of information that's given to us. And the ten names of the patriarchs recorded here are as follows. I'm just going to go through them quickly and give you their meaning. 
Okay, we're not going to spend time. I'm just going to give you the name and the meaning of that name. Adam, of course, is first. His name means earth or man. We have the, the name Seth, which means appointed one or substitute. Enos means mortal frailty. Canaan means smith. Mahalalil means God be praised. Jared means descent. Enoch, dedication. Methuselah, when he dies, judgment. Lamech means conqueror. And finally, we have Noah, whose name means rest. And we'll talk about those last three or in particular. We'll talk about Enoch, Methuselah, and Noah next time. But there's their names and what those names mean. It sort of gives an indication of things too. Um, the fact that they're still focusing on God. Their names reflect that along the way. But these are the ten men that are highlighted for us. And there's no reason for us to believe that there's any gaps here in this record. There's no reason for us to believe that there's names missing okay, from this list. Uh, Morris writes this, he says, The record is perfectly natural and straightforward and is obviously intended to give both the necessary genealogical data to denote the promised lineage and also the only reliable chronological framework we have for the pre-flood period of history. So there's no gaps. And if we take it on face value and we look at each of these ages here, this genealogy, it also gives us the chronology, the time frame. And what that means is we can add up the ages here and we can figure out how many years between creation and the flood. And when we do that, we find that there's 1,656 years, exactly, between creation and the flood. 1,656 years. But that's not the only interesting thing we learn. As we look through this list and you look at the ages, and if you write them all down in a list and look at them all, you'll see this. I'm just going to highlight a couple of things. The first one is that if you look at the ages here, Adam, he lived right up until Lamech, the father of Noah, was 56 years old. Okay, Noah, Adam lived all the way up to there. He knew Lamech, Noah's father. They would have known each other. They knew all of each other at the very least. Everyone would have known Adam. Okay, but he was still alive. And also of note is the fact that Noah is born only 14 years after the death of Seth. 14 years, that's all, between the death of Seth and when Noah comes on the scene. You see, the point is that as you read through this list, all of these men have overlapping lives. They overlap each other. They're all alive at the same time, influencing one another. On the list here, only two men are outlived by their fathers. Enoch, and that's obvious because he went home to be with God, and so his son Methuselah outlived him. And the other one is Lamech. Lamech died five years before his father, Methuselah. And that's interesting because that means he died five years before the flood. Because the flood came when Methuselah died. That's what his name means, and we'll talk about that next week. When he dies, judgment comes. Okay, and so he died five years before the flood. And by the time of the flood, the only patriarch who is still alive is Noah. Okay, the only one alive by the time the flood comes is Noah. And that helps us understand why in chapter 6, Noah stands out on the earth as being righteous before God. Just go over there. We, we know these verses. Chapter 6, verse 8. It says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God 
And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, Ham sorry, and Japheth. We know those verses. It talks about Noah standing out as righteous before God. You see, indeed, when God spoke those words in Genesis chapter 6, when he spoke those words to Noah, calling him to build the ark, there are only two other patriarchs still alive at that time, Methuselah and Lamech. The rest have already passed on. Only Methuselah and Lamech, and both of them die before the flood. They don't die in the judgment, they die before the flood comes on the earth. You know, so that's, that's an interesting point. When you're looking at chapter 6, it's interesting to understand all that. But you know, the fact that each of these men die is also important, isn't it? You know, when you look through this list of ten men, each of these men died. Eight times we read the phrase, and he died. You see, this is important because it reiterates to us the fact that death now reigns. Man is not immortal. Death reigns over mankind. Why? Because of Adam's sin in Genesis chapter 3. You know, Pastor Davis, of course, has been preaching about this very fact, hasn't he? Romans chapter 5, discussing this very point. And this, this lines up perfectly, if you like, with Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, let's just turn over there quickly as we <coughs> conclude things this evening. Romans 5, in verse 12. Romans 5, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, as by one man... Sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. You see, this is what Genesis chapter 5 points out to us. Sin is indeed in the earth, and death does indeed reign. Sin entered the world because of Adam, and now all of his descendants are born in sin. And all of his descendants suffer the consequence of sin, death. The wage of sin is death. And the same is true for all of us today. We are the descendants of Adam. And we likewise are born sinners, condemned to death. But through Christ, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can have Eternal life. And that's what Romans 5 verse 17 says. It says, For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. You see, sin and death does indeed still reign today. Just like it did in the pre-flood world. Sin and death reign. But through Christ, we can reign in life. And we've been talking about that in Romans chapter 5. And you know, the only person, the only one who escaped physical death there in chapter 5 is Enoch. And we'll talk about him next Sunday and look at his life. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I know that tonight we've just considered a lot of information. We've considered this this genealogy, this record for us. Lord, I pray that, um, uh, Lord, you would bless us this evening through your word, help us just to, to take something from it. Uh, a greater understanding of what Genesis chapter 5 is all about and the great truths contained therein. Pray you bless as we uh, conclude our time, bless as we head home, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.